Yeah. So in my case, um, I had a backstory and I, um, my backstory was that I was galactic film star, Hank Lonely. So it's a play on Han Solo, right? <laughs> you were Hank Lonely. I love that. back everybody this week's a bonus episode of the dcl duo podcast and we are excited to welcome lynn testa to our show once again welcome lynn thanks brian hey sam hey we're so happy to have you back lynn i am glad to be back on thank you so much and we're here to talk about an exciting cruise you took but to outer space <laughs> the galactic <laughs> star cruiser so lynn we wanted to hear from you about your trip but uh, maybe you could start with helping folks understand what the galactic star cruiser is all about Right. So it opened uh, March 1st and it's Disney's attempt at a highly themed, interactive, choose your own adventure hotel stay. The This particular one is based on the Star Wars story and Star Wars characters, especially episodes seven, eight and nine. So the most recent three movies. And the idea is that you're in the hotel and a cast of characters from the Star Wars universe interact with you while you're there. And the um, it's, it's sort of like a uh, if you've ever played you know, Dungeons and Dragons or any sort of role-playing game where you've got sort of your main quest, which in this particular case is to um, deal with the First Order who comes onto the ship pretty early on the first day. But then also there are a series of side quests that you go on both in the hotel and in Disney's Hollywood Studios in, uh, in Batuu, the, the Star Wars Galaxy's Edgeland, to advance the story along and sort of personalize your experience. So it's two days. It is constant play for two days. Like I didn't, I didn't sleep for basically for the 46 hours I was, I was there. Oh, wow. It sounds kind of like an escape room or something like that. Would you say it's similar to that? There are escape room elements. So for example, there is a, a part in the story where without giving away any spoilers, you have to go to a certain room and solve a puzzle in a certain you know, amount of time to sort of advance the story. But if you can imagine like a series of like escape room type challenges, but wound into an overall narrative, that is the Star Wars universe over the course of two days. It and it's I mean, it is a land-based cruise. That's the best way to you can't leave the hotel once you've boarded the ship, correct? I mean you can. You can. Well, if you need to go home and, you know, pick up some medication, obviously you can get off and, and go drive over and come back and do that. I did. Yeah, but then you're taking yourself out of the world. Right. So you'd have to do it after the story is uh, after the story's done for the day. So like, you know, like after eleven PM or ten PM each night. Oh wow. So it's like a full day. Like what what time what time does it start on day one and what time does it end on day two? All right. Um, so I have a couple of spoilers, but they're relatively light that explain that. It starts the moment you get out of your car to check in. You'll be greeted by um, a Disney cast member who will help you check in. And by the way, one of the ways that Disney manages the gameplay and incorporates your personal story into the overall narrative is by putting cameras, microphones, and earpieces in virtually all of the cast members you interact with. Right. Oh, so wow. behind the scenes, imagine that there's a room of people who are listening to all these conversations and keeping track of what you think your backstory is so that so that other characters can relay it back on you. So, and I'll just give you a, a silly example that probably isn't true, but let's say you tell one of the characters your favorite food is a cheeseburger, right? Sometime later, somebody might say, I understand you like cheeseburgers. Even if you've never spoken to that character, right? If, you, if behind the scenes, the story is that the two characters spoke together, then the second character knows, knows everything about you. Wow. Yeah, that is that is another level. Yeah. So in my case, um, I had a backstory and I um, my backstory was that I was 
galactic film star Hank Lonely. So it's a play on Han Solo, right? <laughs> Hank Lonely, I love that. Hank Lonely, Han Solo. Okay. In that Hank wrote, directed, produced, and starred in a nine-part science fiction series Space Robots in Outer Space. (laughs) (laughs) And through an amazing set of coincidences, every single thing that happened in Hank's films actually happened in the Star Wars universe. So everyone in the Star Wars universe thought they were documentaries and no one went to see them. (laughs) Okay. And because Hank is a film star, I bought a, a, that on which, you know, Han Solo is sort of apparel. I bought a Han Solo outfit complete with, you know, the shirt, the belt, the holster, everything. And I took pictures of myself in the exact same pose that Harrison Ford used for the 1970s publicity photo for Han Solo. And I had them printed out and I was, and, and I actually gave one to the very first cast member I met, like to get the, the, <laughs> the, the, the whole thing started. Like I gave her, her name is Jen, gave her my entire backstory. And the, and the cool thing was like, Jen was not one of the main characters. But she's basically hotel staff. But every time I saw her, she decided that she was going to be like, as soon as I told her my story, she decided that that her backstory for me was that she was my number one fan. Right. She was. I knew that you were going to say that she was a super (laughs) fan. Yeah. Every time I saw her, even if it was just like passing each other in the hallway, she would point to herself and go, number one. (laughs) And she maintained that for two days, which was great. So, I mean, it really begins the moment you get out of the car. And it doesn't end until you're back in the parking lot. Now, now, does everyone have a backstory? Like, do they send you a backstory or did you just create this backstory? You, had, you have to create the backstory. And, and here's the thing. If you don't create a backstory, then it's a signal to Disney that you may not be as interested in playing the games. Like if you have a compelling backstory and you sell to the characters that you're, you're into it and you want to play... They will involve you. They'll send you on special side quests and they'll give you special things to do. But if you, if you don't want to play, right, if you just want to sit on the couch and observe, then you don't need a backstory and no one will engage you past like, you know, the first day where they ask you, you know, if you want to do stuff. I would say it makes absolutely no sense to pay that kind of money and not play the game. Like, and, and I've talked to a few people, like um, I talked to this, uh, this family from the Northeast, four adults, you know, and, and basically they said they were there to just check off the box of, you know, this is another Disney experience I did. They didn't, they didn't come up with backstories. They didn't play the games. They didn't do any of the side quests on Batu. And, and they were like, okay, this is fine. You know, I checked the box. I don't think I'll ever do it again. I'm like, well, you, you haven't even done it the first time, right? Like you, you that, by the way, that was my wife, Laurel's uh, observation, not, not mine. So to get the experience, to get the full experience, you really have to do the, it, it sounds like you, you have to sell have out. To. Yeah. You have to, you have to, you have to commit to the whole thing, which involves acting yourself. There's a little bit of improv there. Yeah. So like for, for what I did, like I knew, I knew who the basic characters were in the story. So I had actually developed either a set of like improv prompts, like things to talk about, or in some cases I actually had songs and dances for various characters that I was, I was prepared to do. And, and my background here is like, you know, I, I like the star Wars films. I don't, I, obviously I don't remember every character or anything like that, but I, you know, you know enough to sort of, to sort of get by. And the thing that I thought that no one was going to do, at least on the first version, was play for comedy, like comic relief. So I made Hank this guy who he's like, you know, he's trying really, really hard, but nothing that he do works. But in his head, he thinks he's a film star, <laughs> you know? And so that that was the funny thing for me. Yeah. Well, it doesn't sound like you get a ton of downtime. Len, is everyone moving from activity to activity? I mean, assuming there are groups of people moving to different things at different times, but everyone is kind of out and about and moving around this thing the entire time. 
Yeah, it's it's pretty constant. And one of the one of the cool things is there are enough like rooms distributed throughout their ship. So there's like an engineering room, there's a brig, there's you know there's uh, there's there's all kinds of uh, different areas where you there's a lightsaber training room where you can go and do a coordinated activity. Remember, there's only a hundred cabinets on this thing, right? So if you figure like you know a third of the people are just there to observe, not to play, and you've got a third of those people distributed over an entire hotel, even if it's a small hotel, it makes for a very small group play, like. Most of the time, there were anywhere from like 12 to 24 people in my group. But sometimes it was even smaller. Like sometimes it was like four of us. Well, it sounds like it, it, from, from what I saw online, it looks like, you know, in terms of what they have on board beyond the cabins, it looked like they had at least a bar, if not a couple of bars, a store, a restaurant. What were the sort of those facilities like? So everything is based around uh, the atrium, which is sort of the center of the ship and where the vast majority of the, the story takes place. Right off of the, the atrium is the bridge, basically the command center of the ship. And a significant amount of the story is there. There is a lounge where you can play sabak and get drinks. Right off the atrium, there's the gift store. And then there's a series of, of hotel rooms. The atrium is on level six. There are rooms on le- level seven. Level five, I believe, is also hotel rooms. And then four is where the dining room is and then a bunch of other playrooms. And uh, I know a lot of people have been talking about some of the activities on board, like lightsaber training. I know you went through that. What was what was that like? It was supposed to be a big ticket item. Here's what I'll say about the um, the the activities. The thing that sells the activities, the things that makes the activity good isn't the activity itself. Like in terms of lightsaber training, I thought the the void um, Star Wars experience over at Disney Springs. Did you guys ever do that? Yep. But not the Star Wars one, but we've done a, we did an Avengers one. Yeah. That is vastly better in terms of gameplay, right? It's and for $35, a tremendous value. The thing that makes all of these experiences is a combination of characters who explain what you're doing and the fact that they can sell it, right? So you know, we're, we're, you're handed plastic lightsabers, and look, we all know how how video game, like shooting video games, work, right? There's a light sensor in your controller that determines whether you've like hit the target, right? We we all know how it works, right? But the thing that sells you it have is just, you have just killed the magic for me, Len. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the interesting thing is, like, when you're like, let's say you're playing a video game where you're shooting something on the TV, right? The TV isn't recognizing anything; it's sending out a light signal to your controller, and the controller's the thing that determines whether you're okay. So that's the same thing works for the lightsaber, right? And, and I know that going in, right? You know how it works going in. The, the thing that sells it, though, the thing that makes it compelling is the actors who are telling you. Like, so when Saja, the lightsaber uh, master, is explaining to you that it's not about the lightsaber, it's about recognizing, you know, the force inside of you and listening to that and centering your emotions and clearing your mind and stuff like that. I mean, that's just, that's just general good advice anywhere. You could, you could say that's for yoga or for weightlifting or for, you know, basically just relaxing, right? But she sells it so well. Like she gives you the story of the force and there's tons of encouragement, right? And there's all throughout, it's like basically imagine like having a private coaching session with Yoda, (laughs) right? (laughs) But like Yoda as your life coach, that's Saja here. And it's, I'm telling you, it's, it's, if you, if you go in with the mindset, like I'm just going to play along with the story and believe everything I'm supposed to believe, then it's, it's absolute nirvana. It's just wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. And you have to do that, right? Like you can't be cynical going into it. You just want to have fun. Right. You have to sort of go in full hearted, willing to immerse yourself in the experience. Yeah. Like, like, you know, open your, like, just play along, right? Just like, okay, this is the universe. These are the facts. And I'm going to go with this. And you have to do that. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, I love that. That sounds really fun. 
I'm assuming the character interactions are constant, that there's always someone out and about like a Chewbacca or somebody wandering around. I mean, is that right? Or am I thinking about it wrong? So the characters come out at, as far as I can tell, unpredictable times. They will engage with different... So again, remember behind the scenes, there's a set of microphones, cameras, and headsets on virtually everyone, including the main characters, right? And behind the scene, there's an entire team of people that you don't see who are organizing the gameplay, right? So they're keeping track of who's doing what and where they are in the story. And they, they do that literally for every single person in the hotel. Plus, they know where all of the individual characters are in your storyline, right? So there's always a character there, you know, but you might interact with a different character depending on where you are in the story versus where I am, even though it's, it's the exact same time of day. Right. That's super complex for them to keep track it's of. It's incredible. And to, yeah. yeah. And to keep and to keep the story moving and to make sure that everybody's getting the amount of the story that they need in order to the be attention that they need. Yeah. 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 That, that seems like it's quite complex. And the, um, and the other thing too, is that the, the actors have to sell like, you know, cause you know, behind the scenes, like they're basically repeating the same set of stories to, you know, four or five different groups, but they don't seem to get tired of doing that. Like every single time somebody said something dramatic to me, it was like, you know, this is the most urgent th- message I've ever delivered to anyone, you know, <laughs> to you, Len. And it, I mean, the, the, the acting component, the story management behind the scenes were just excellent. So I'm curious how far the theming extends here, Lynn, into the food, because I think Ogus Cantina over time has gotten kind of some mixed reviews in terms of their offerings. And so, I, I, look, I'll just make the assumption you can't sit down and order a beer and a burger aboard the Galactic Star Cruiser that you're getting some themed food and drink. But I mean, how was that aspect of the, uh, the trip? Um, I thought it was it was excellent. There, uh, in terms of drinks, Disney's I, I love Disney bars, by the way, even on Disney cruise ships. And I, 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 I will. I will defend the following thing like to the death. Disney has the best bars at sea. They are incredibly themed from the drink selection to the decor to the music selection you hear in the background. Like Disney, yeah, you will get no argument here. You will get yeah, no argument. Disney here. bars are the best at sea. <laughs> and the bar on the Star Cruiser is likewise incredibly themed. So for example, there are two drinks that are supposed to be opposites of each other. One is like a Mustafarian fire thing. And another, I believe, is a Hoth a cold drink. And Disney's actually built special hot and cold presentation display effects into the, uh, into the bar. So if you get the cold drink, they put your glass into this container. It's about, to, it's about the size of a small vacuum cleaner, right? But it's clear, so you can see through it, right? It's a little chamber with glass on it. So like imagine brass chamber with glass doors. And what it does is shoots out a stream of either uh, frozen carbon dioxide or nitrogen to chill the glass in like three seconds. So somebody opens a small glass door, they put, the, they put your martini glass in, they close the glass door and seal it shut. And then you hear the whoosh and you see the, you know, the, the, uh, the cold you know, hitting the glass and it comes out you know, frozen 10 seconds later. Likewise, there's a um, there's this game they play with the Mustafarian you know fire drink, which is supposed to be super spicy. Where they you know don safety glasses and use a like a crucible holder to bring out the spice for your drink. And it's like you know in, in the opening of The Simpsons, where Homer Simpson is carrying a radioactive test tube. Yes, it's like that. Exactly. It's like that. <laughs> yeah, they just sell it really, really well. So you know, and that's and that's consistent throughout the food. Food everywhere is is in unusual shapes with unusual colors and unusual names. I mean, they'll explain what it is, but like the Mickey waffle is a circle in the um, shape of the Chandrilla cruise line with the logo on it and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> great food though. I mean, equal to or better than what you get on the DCL um, line. What about the what about the um, the spaces and and sort of how 
they're themed. Obviously, we know they're themed, but you know how how well does that carry through with, for example, the bridge and the atrium spaces? It's all incredibly themed, and the uh, the one thing I will say that Disney's done a good job in because these are all these all can be used as like puzzle rooms, right, or escape rooms. Every button, every switch, every light, every display does something or has the potential to do something. And some of them I haven't, didn't even figure out. Like I, uh, I didn't have time to do a side quest involving the brig, for example, <laughs> but it was there, right? And like there are little control panels that you can press. Even the, do- the doors are sort of period correct or story correct for Galactic Star Cruiser. They're either pocket doors or sliding doors and they go, whoosh, you know, when they, when they open. There's no like traditional doors, as far as I can tell. Well, it's a good thing you didn't have a detour to the bridge, because after spending however much money it was to go to the Galactic Star Cruise, I think you'd want to not spend time in the brig. But yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but speaking of spaces, Len, I'm curious about the cabins. Uh, a lot's been sort of made online of the cabins and some of those uh, bunk bed type arrangements and things. What what did you think of the cabin spaces? So the we brought it, you know, tape measure. So imagine the rectangle that is the entire hotel room, the bathroom, the walls, everything, right? So the rectangle itself, including again, including the walls, including all the plumbing, everything, we think is somewhere between like 230 and 250 square feet. So smaller than a room at Pop Century. The main area where the bed is and where the bunk beds are is around, I'm guessing around 120-ish square feet. So so small, right? And there's no windows. There are no win- there are no outdoor windows anywhere on the Star Cruiser. Uh, what you get is dis- uh, TV displays that, that simulate space. There is a, um, an actual like a climate quote simulator, which is the smoking area. And you can go outside and get fresh air and there's you know fans and stuff and plants and whatnot. We did that once for about half an hour. I thought the, cabin, the, the cabins are small. That didn't affect me at all because yeah, I, I generally don't believe... So I've done st- uh, we've done research studies around that, you know, is a hotel room just a place to sleep, right? And for Walt Disney World, if you survey people after the fact and ask them, you know, was your hotel room just a place to sleep? People inevitably say, no, it wasn't. It had a larger impact on my satisfaction than I anticipated ahead of time. But for the Star Cruiser, I think it, it is more true than that. From the time we checked in on day one at 1 p.m., I don't think I spent more than 10 consecutive minutes in the hotel room until after 11 p.m. when we were done for the night. So really just a place to sleep. It really is. Like I went, I, I got back uh, after 11, I showered, went to bed, woke up, got something to eat, was, was gone again. It, it's, if there's any Disney hotel room in Walt Disney World where it is really, truly just a place to sleep and nothing else, it is the Galactic Star Cruiser. I will say this, the mattresses for me are quite firm. I do not like firm mattresses. The ones in the, uh, so you guys saw the bunk beds, the little cubbies, those are exceptionally firm. I would not... I would not put adults on those. I did talk to a bunch of adults and they, the, the ones who were like back sleepers thought it was fine. Everybody else was like, yeah, it's a little rough, but we'll get through it for two days. When I was giving you know, feedback to Disney, I was like, look, you know, I don't think the beds are comfortable. I think at this price range, we should be able to have an option of like a, a nice pillow top. Also, the pillows themselves are a little like I like a, a down pillow that is n- almost flat. These were foam pillows that were spongy. And not my thing. And again, at that price point, you know, I know it sounds goofy. I, I expect kind of a pillow concierge, right? And I'll give you an example. At the Venetian, right, uh, in Las Vegas, if you stay in one of the suites, you have not only a pillow concierge with a series of options, you have a blanket concierge. <laughs> the Venetian is far, far, far less expensive than the Galactic Star Cruiser. <laughs> at this price point, uh, being able to get the bedding you want seems like it is a, def- uh, a standard practice. 
but again, as I told Disney, like, look, you guys can buy all the mattresses you want, right? It's, it's, it's no reason not to stay, right? They'll, they'll get that figured out. Well, I'm convinced that Disney is becoming a sleep deprivation institute the way that they set up their, <laughs> set up the guest experience these days at crack of dawn to midnight. But one aspect we haven't talked about, Lynn, is the trip to Batu, And I'm wondering what that, what that was like and also how jarring was it if you're in this really immersive environment to head into the park with a bunch of park goers who are not? <laughs> Um, so it was fine. The, um, the way that they transport you from the hotel to Batu is in a highly themed moving van. So like something from like Hertz or, you know, uh, a you panel know. van. Yeah. 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 And it, and again, no windows, you're immersed in it. So basically you're in a tube. I was joking that like, if somebody had said, hello, this is Orlando Mayor, Mayor Buddy Dwyer, you know, like, <laughs> uh, you know, I would have, I would have laughed. Like I that would be completely appropriate. Right. That would have been hysterical. Or if they got, had got him to actually do the announcement, that would have been, you know, better. Um, the ride actually takes a little bit longer than I thought. Like it's a few minutes. It's not just like, you know, 30 seconds. It's, it's actually um, longer than that. Um, once you're on Batu, there's a series of winding hallways you go through before you actually get into the park itself. And obviously that entrance back, you know, use the same sort of entryway to go back and forth that is heavily, you know, heavily secured so that people don't wander into it. There's a ton of gameplay uh, on Batu that you absolutely have to do in order to advance the story. I'm not going to do any spoilers here, but my suggestion is that you ride both rides and you get Lightning Lane or Genie Plus access to do that. So you can just go into the Lightning Lane for both uh, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run and then for um, Rise of the Resistance. But not only that, but there are there's a series of side quests that you're given using the Play Disney Parks app. I think it's absolutely essential that you do every single side quest that you're asked to do. And by this point in the story, you will have picked a side, first order or resistance. Oh, you get to pick your side. And they, but the way that they do it is pretty subtle. Um, they don't ask you what side you're going to do. They'll have on day one, they'll have characters from both sides come up to you and ask you to do things. You know, if you're if you the first order might come up and ask you to like help hunt for Chewbacca. And if you're like, I'm not sure that that's, you know, I'm not sure that Chewie's bad or that I want to do that, right? They'll know that you're first order. But if you jump into it, you know, then you're first order. So I decided on the morning, I was, I played both sides on day one. And then there's an event that happens on day one. I decided that the beginning of day two, that was the event that pushed me to the resistance side. And I played resistance from that point forward. So I got, when I was on Batu, I got a series of pro resistance quests that I had to do. And you absolutely have to do all of them. It took me three and a half hours to do all of them, but it unlocks things back on the ship based on what you did in Batu. So you can't skip it is, is, is what, I'm, what I'm going with. Not only can't you skip it, you have to do everything. Are you doing this on your own phone with the Play Disney app or are, you, are they giving you a data pad device? Event, event, eventually you will use your own phone with a Play Disney Parks app. Um, in this particular case, it was strongly hinted that the Play Disney Parks app wasn't completely finished for what it needed to do. So they gave us our own iPhones that we had to give back at the end of the, the trip. That was preloaded with the Play Disney Parks app. You still had to log in yourself, but basically it was like, here's a version of the software that we think is okay. It's in beta mode, so we're not going to release it to the public. Here's a dedicated phone that you can use to point to the, you know, to the non-production servers on which we are running this game. 
Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action here to thank our amazing sponsors over at Touring Plans. We use Touring Plans Travel to book our own Disney vacations and just love, love, love our Touring Plans Travel Specialist. She waits on hold when we don't have time. She monitors cruise deals for us and rebooks to get us lower rates on some of the cruise lines that actually where the prices actually do go down, <laughs> like Disney Cruise Line. Uh, so she does watch those rates for us and rebook. She steers us toward cruises we would like and room categories and gives us suggestions and so while we have our preferences, she's always there and available to help us out. And when we plan a parks vacation, it's just gotten so complicated of late with all the new genie technology and everything. Like I need to rely on someone who really understands what's going on. And she absolutely helps us there as well. So we love the folks over at Touring Plans. What we love most is that the philosophy of Touring Plans aligns with the philosophy of our own podcast. We're not out to sell you a Disney vacation. We're not travel agents ourselves. And so we just like to give our honest opinions and reviews. And I think you'll find the folks over at Touring Plans will also give you their honest opinions and reviews of different sailings and ships uh, and steer you toward the thing that they think is the best for your family. So Remember, you don't pay anything extra to use a travel agent, especially when booking Disney vacations. Disney pays the travel agent at the time you travel. You're leaving money on the table. If you don't use a travel agent, you're certainly leaving expertise on the table if you don't. So we highly recommend the folks over at Touring Plans. Head over there. Check them out. Touringplans.com slash travel. Let them know the DCL Duo sent you to help support the show. And with that, back to our episode. So, so and something else you said in there, Len, caught my attention, which is, did, did you have to, as a part of this experience, buy a park ticket and do all the stuff that you would normally have to do to get into the park? And you'd see, you mentioned Lightning Lane and that kind of stuff. So, like, yeah. This is one of the things that, that kind of drove me crazy, right? So, it's a you know, $5,000 to get in the door. Your admission includes a one-day park ticket into Hollywood Studios so that you can play the game. But uh, I'm an annual pass holder. So, I basically paid Disney, you know, $170 or whatever it is for something I didn't need and no refunds, yada, yada, yada. That that's, it's a little galling. It bothers me a little bit, actually. <laughs> well, it sounds like you have to, you have to pay for your, like, I would have figured if you were staying in the Star Cruiser, they would have given you a lightning lane to each. Oh, no, no, ride. no, they, they oh, give okay. you that. Sorry. Okay. It's, um, they, you, when you log in, you know, you get a magic band that serves as your hotel room key, et cetera, et cetera. And on that are loaded the genie and individual lightning lane entitlements that get you into the lightning lane on that. Also, the interesting thing is they um they give you a food and beverage credit for lunch at Docking Bay Seven, and then includes you know an alcoholic drink, an entree, you know dessert, whatever you want. But that's actually loaded into my Disney experience as a dining plan, which means dining plan is already the dining plan is already programmed into MDE. And as soon as Disney decides to bring it back, it's just a flip, uh, switch. Oh, flip yeah, right there. yeah. So that's that's good, right? That means it means that Disney thinks the dining plan is coming back. It's at least possible. Yeah. We're, and and were, were you given time if you, I mean, you, you mentioned the ticket is for Hollywood Studios. Are you are you given time to wander off world and <laughs> experience some of the other rides in the park if you want? There's not much time. So I think I had, like I got to the park at nine and, you know, but I had probably 45 minutes or so of riding the two rides. I had three and a half hours of gameplay. And then I stopped for lunch, but it was a quick service lunch at ABC Commissary. So it was at three and a half, four and a half hours. And I had to be back by three o'clock for my lightsaber training. So, you know, you might have like an hour, maybe an hour and a half tops. So what I did was I went to meet Minnie and Mickey starring in Red Carpet Dreams. <laughs> and when you leave the Star Cruiser, they actually give you enamel pins with the Star Cruiser logo on it. So that it's easy for you to identify other people playing the game, you know, in in the park, and also uh, that the cast members will recognize what you're doing, right? So it's just an easy way, 
Okay. So I get to Red Carpet Dreams, which is on Commissary Lane. And I get up and it's, you know, it's all families with young children and, and me, one guy by himself. Not weird at all, right? Okay. Dressed like Han Solo or, or Hank or Hank Lonely. Yeah. Oh, Hank yeah. Were you, exactly. were, were you still, yeah. Were you still in costume that day? No, not on day, not, not in the morning of day two. It was, okay. uh, I was trying to blend in with the natives. Right, so I get there. Hours, yeah. Yeah. And there's this, um, this cast member named Lauren, L-O-R-A-N, who's at Red Carpet Dreams. And she recognizes the button and, you know, knows that I'm from the Star Cruiser and decides to play along with the story. So she's like, you know, what, what brings you to this remote village on the outskirts of Black Spire Outpost? <laughs> and, and I'm like, well, you know, I've, you know, I've, I've spent time in Black Spire, but I thought I would, you know, explore sort of the outer lands. And she said, so she gives me this story about how Mickey, you know, essentially Mickey and Minnie are the village elders. And today is the day that is like the anniversary of them ascending to rule this little village. So they're, <laughs> they're accepting in visitors, you know, well-wishers and they're dressed in their ceremonial garb. Like we're, we're trading lines back and forth as we're doing this. Right. And the funny thing was I actually took pictures of me with Mickey and me with Minnie, you know, the selfies that they're doing. And I brought them back on board and I'm like, so whenever I had to interact with the, the cast of the, the movies, I'm like, look, you've, you've been to Black Spire, right? Did you know that in the, in the wastelands beyond like th- there's this there's this race of village of rodents and, and then i was like like take a look at the at the at their native garb like would you say that's a, you know and i'm pointing to like mickey and the sorcerer's head i'm like this is clearly some sort of like ceremonial headdress right and for a minute i won't mention the the crew member that did it for a moment the, one of the crew members laughed like in, in a way that like was like, okay, I didn't think anyone was going to do this. Character, this the, right. Yeah. Person. Like, like, okay, that's really funny. I get this. And then they, you know, took them like two seconds and then they recovered and played along. Like, yes, does seem to be some sort of rodent thing. I've heard stories of this, but never actually seen them. So anyway, yeah, so that was great. So Lynn, I'm curious, how many kids did you see on board? And they sort of, you know, did you have a guess around age ranges at uh, the, uh, for those kids? Um, not many kids. I would, I mean, just guessing here, less than 10. And they tended to be grade school age. So like not teens uh, and, and definitely not, you know, toddlers. And you have to be sort of that age to sort of play along. I will say that Disney really focused on them anytime that they were, you know, in the room and, and looked like they wanted to play. Like they got, they got shout outs, you know, during certain parts of the, uh, of the game. So, you know, if you're worried about like the adults trying to hog all the attention and you've got kids, I mean, Disney, definitely focuses on the kids for it. That was good. So Lynn, I, I am curious, you know, you, um, you had a video on night one of the cruise that went up on, I think it was Instagram that I was watching that triggered my, my thought that we should, we should chat with you about this in relation to Disney Cruise Line. But I'm curious, your impressions of the overall experience, they seemed favorable, but you did note the high, the high price tag. So I'm sort of wondering, how do you balance out doing this with the price tag and maybe sort of who's it for, right? Right. So. I, we just did a, uh, a Disney Dish podcast where I sort of explained like where I think this fits in your in your overall vacation you know spending priorities. You know, it's obviously it's five thousand dollars just to get in the door, and some of the suites go up to twenty thousand dollars, and that's for two days. Right? Is that so for it's, one person or for two people? Um, it's it's priced on double double occupancy, yeah, just like so a cruise ship. up to up to two people. Yeah, exactly like detailed. Up to two people, it's the same price. Then a third and a fourth will add a small incremental amount to it. Um, you know, five thousand dollars is more than the vast majority of Americans spend on vacation in any given year. And and frankly, for these two day this this two day thing is not going to be the only vacation you take in a year, right? It, first of all, it's exhausting. The entire thing takes a ton of effort. You will need a vacation after this. 
So this is really for people who are like, you know, if, if you break it down based on census data, this is really for people with household incomes in the $200,000 and up range, right? People who are like, absolutely, I would spend $5,000 for two days to play a Star Wars game, right? Very, 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 very niche thing. What I told people, what I tell people is this, is, you know, look, if you haven't seen the United States, right? If you haven't driven in the Midwest, if you haven't seen the Pacific Northwest, if you haven't been to Alaska, if you haven't been to Hawaii and you got five grand, go do that. Right. There's a for a variety of reasons. Um, likewise, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, San Francisco Chronicle article. Was it last week or the week before about how it was cheaper to do Disneyland Paris than Disneyland for California residents? <laughs> right. Not surprising. Uh, and it was and it was under five thousand dollars too. It was like a forty six hundred dollars, I think, for a week at Disneyland Paris. Okay, so if you got five grand and you haven't been to Europe, go do go do that with five grand, right? <laughs> but after that, like if you've you know if you've done it all, if you've seen it all, and you're looking for like something completely different and very, very highly themed. That's also like a personal Star Wars story that you carry with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Totally worth the money. I'm curious, Lynn, if, if you, you mentioned you talked to some folks on board. So two, two questions here. One is, do you see this as an experience with longevity? You know, you're talking about this being niche. You're talking about it being for high income earners. And so I, I wonder a little bit how long or how far, or how much runway this really has for Disney and then I'm curious, you're amongst a bunch of people who decided to do it on opening day. Did you hear mm-hmm. anyone say, I can't wait to come back and do it again? Right. So, uh, so in terms of you know, longevity and things like that, it's only 100 rooms. And while they, they haven't sold out every night you know, and they haven't released occupancy numbers, I think based on my experience you know, and, the, and the positive stuff that I'm hearing from people who you know, actually paid to do it, I think there's enough of a market for that. Yes. Maybe they're not going to, you know, it's not going to be completely filled, like you know, on a random Tuesday in September when the kids are back in school. Probably not, you know. But like, you can bet for uh, for uh, you know long weekends and holidays and summers and stuff like that. I would be I would be surprised if it was not sold out. I think one of the reasons why you're not seeing this thing sell out so far in advance is Disney's refund policy, right? So I think it's what is it within 90 days you only get half back, and then within a is it a month or within a month you're basically fully committed so i think people look at that refund policy and they they will probably not book until the very last minute when they are absolutely certain that it is what they want to do well it's kind of like i mean it is a cruise line pricing model and occupancy model right when schools it is a cruise line pricing model yeah yeah yeah. when when, when, when school's in session there are fewer people on those ships than when school's not in session. So yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Yeah. And then uh, Brian, your second question about, you know, whether, whether people would do it again, I would absolutely do it again, but I, I, I need to wait a long time to, to do it again because it was just so tiring. To, and I don't remember, I had fun, but it was just emotionally draining to be on like that. I'm an introvert. So to be, you know, to be in character and on for two days is, is, is mentally challenging for me. And so, you know, would I do it again? You know, later, late, late, late this year, early next year? Yeah, and I think there's enough that they can do with the game to make it to make it different every time. I, I there were some puzzles that I just didn't solve. Like I never figured out the engineering room. I never figured out the brig, and I never did anything with the first order. Well, that that seems to be in my mind. That seems to be an opportunity for Disney is to you know continue making and releasing series around this, and then evolve the storyline to track to the new characters and the new series. I mean, I'm. I'm sort of watching because the hotel I would go to is an Avengers themed hotel. Like, so I'm sort of watching going, are they going to do something like that where you have this Avengers totally challenge going on? Right. Um, yeah. That could be really interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like for me, a haunted mansion hotel would be <laughs> yeah. absolutely yeah, the thing that I would that I would I would buy into. Yeah. And I would never go to the haunted mansion hotel. <laughs> but but I but I would spend all of my time at at an Avengers themed one or I would go and I would totally go to the Star Wars themed. I think it's it's funny, you know. I would say, Len, your your sort of take on Star Wars probably similar to mine. I'm not a super fan, but I've seen all the movies. I enjoy them. I love The Mandalorian. Not a huge fan of uh, Boba Fett, except for when it changed to basically being The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. <laughs> the Mandalorian at the end of the show, you know, which was it was fantastic. The, basically, the last few episodes were fantastic because they were The Mandalorian. But this is this sounds like a, a fun experience that I totally would do. But it, it makes sense that if if you're really fully committed and you're playing the game uh, in the way that you did, it, it does sound kind of exhausting. It sounds, frankly, like being in trial. <laughs> just something that <laughs> it, it I was exhausting, but it was fun. Like every element of it was fun. It's just again, I'm an introvert, so like it takes a lot of energy. Yeah, the dancing routines or you know the improv, which you know I I had I had improv bits memorized for a set of possibilities for every character. Right. So knowing what to do and when and you know, trying to remember your lines and stuff like that is was really, really difficult. Yeah. I love that you put so much planning into it. Do you feel like there were other people that were doing this experience that put the same? I, there are other people, I'm sure, who came on with characters in mind and backstories oh, yeah. and all of that. But were there other people who put the kind of effort like you did in creating not just a backstory, but but all these other these routines, I would say? Oh, yeah. So. Uh, I say there's about of the you know the couple hundred people that were on the ship. There were a couple dozen that were like they decided to just buy into the whole thing. They had the costumes, they had the backstories, and they were going to do like anything that anybody asked them to do. They were going to do it. My friends Chris and Beth had these amazing, beautiful, elaborate costumes. Like they had, they were wearing N95 masks, you know, indoors because, you know, still COVID, but they had, they had bought plastic covers for the N95 masks and carved the plastic to look sort of like a Kylo Ren mask and then spray painted it black and silver, you know, layered and then antiqued it to make it look like it had been battle tested. That sort of, and you know, Chris had his, Chris had a prosthetic arm. I mean, it was just, it was a lot. So a lot of people went to a lot of you know a lot of effort uh, on it too, and the cast members noticed that. And again, the every time you interact with someone, they're they're essentially judging two things: one, are you are you willing to play? Like, do you want something to do, or you just want to watch? And then two, um, which side are you on? Well, Sam, we can have a backstory of being we can have a backstory of being from the Galactic News Network, so we can carry around our little uh, oh, field reporter exactly. and yeah. you know <laughs> reporting on the conflict <laughs> between the First Order and the. Uh, that's actually great. No one, no one's thought of that. And the other thing I would say is like the 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 story is is fairly serious. So if you have if you're a character that you're going to play the play and you play it for laughs, like people will appreciate that because that's not something that I think is done yet. I have a couple of friends who are going next week. They have a very funny backstory that is completely unexpected. I'm not going to spoil what it is, but love it. You know, it's it's like. You know, imagine all of the mundane tasks that have to happen in any Star Wars world for the Star Wars world to function, like, you know, garbage men. And so, so these guys have one of those characters that's actually referenced specifically in episode four, but it's a throwaway line that these guys have built an entire character set around. Wow. 
Yeah, that's great. Well, we love to do the compare and contrast on this show, Lynn, between cruise lines. And so now there's a new cruise line out there that uh, will take you to the wonderful world of Batu. And so we thought we would wrap up this show with a little Disney Cruise Line versus Galactic Star Cruiser for a second. So, Sam, I think you're going to do a rapid fire with Lynn uh, comparing Disney Cruise Line to the Galactic Star Cruiser. All right. So, Sam, take take it away. Okay. So we want to know who's doing it better, Disney Cruise Line or Galactic Star Cruiser. And I'm going to give you a bunch of different categories. So for each category, I want you to choose who wins. Okay. So I'm going to... Who's doing it better. Go who's ahead. doing it better. Exactly. So we'll start with you know one of the boring things, which is just booking, right? Is it is it easy to book this Galactic Star Cruiser experience or is it easier to book a Disney Cruise Line experience? You're booking it yourself. So you're the one that's going to be on the phone? You're Yes, exactly. Well, we would hope you would be using one of your fabulous touring plans, travel. <laughs> travel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I just, I just, I just told Annette that I was, I need to be booking. She's the one that stood on on hold for three and a half hours. So, uh, you know, for me, it was pretty easy. Um, no, DCL <laughs> is definitely easier to to use to book. All right. So let's talk first. Let's start with food, and let's exclude bars from this. Just food. Who's doing it better, Disney Cruise Line or Galactic Star Cruiser? All right, so let's talk main dining room versus Star Cruiser because Remy and Palo are separate, right? And there's no there's no Remy on on Star Cruiser. I'm gonna go with Star Cruiser, but it's close. Yeah, the interesting thing that Star Cruiser does differently than um, TCL is they actually bring you small samples of everything on the menu, and you can pick and choose. So whereas on TCL, you're picking a starter, a main, and a dessert, and again, you can choose as many as you want, right? On TCL, like if no one's ever said no to me when I ask for three appetizers, right? <laughs> but it's it's the default on the Star Cruiser instead of being something that you ask for on DCL. All right, bars. Who does it better? There's only one bar in Star Cruiser. There are at least two good bars on Disney's newer ships. So like for example, on the uh, on the dream, you know, the combination of Skyline and Pink. Or, you know, Skyline and Ulala on the Fantasy is better than the one bar that Disney has. So I'll go with DCL there. Let's do service and let's kind of exclude um, the character interactions because I have a separate question for that. So it's just overall service. It's both excellent. I mean, there's there's no, I didn't have any problems with service and I never have problems with service on DCL. Okay. They're so both, they're both equivalent, very high levels of service. Yeah. Okay. Cabins, DCL or Galactic Star Cruiser? Um, the beds are more comfortable on DCL. And I'll go with that. Also, um, if you've ever stayed concierge, at least the water pressure. So for the money, right? Let's say concierge room on DCL versus Star Cruiser, again, rel- relatively same price. Um, the water pressure in the bathrooms is much better in <laughs> uh, DCL than in the Star Cruiser. All right. I love I love the specificity you give, Lynn. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And also, the, the I mean, if you want to talk about specific, uh, specificity, the shower controls are actually better on DCL. So it's a two-lever system in the shower, right? So one lever typically controls like on-off and also is it coming out of the wand or the rainforest head? And then the other lever is supposed to be temperature, right? And the idea is that once you set the temperature lever, you never have to touch it again, right? You just turn the water on and off, and within a couple of seconds, it gets to the exact temperature you want. And on, and that's how it works on DCL. On the Star Cruiser, it's the opposite. So the on/off is also the temperature, which means every time you turn the water on and off, you have to find the right temperature again. So I would have reversed those. I would have bought you know a different plumbing thing for that. It's minor, um, but 
this is why this is what you pay me for, right? Yeah, this is important exactly. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is the analytical. This is the analytical mind for sure. Wait, we're, we're paying <laughs> yeah, yeah. you. We're paying you for this lend. <laughs> you know, you mean you pay people pay me for travel advice. This is my my constructive criticism, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So my my next question is characters. So who's doing characters better? I, mean, this is, I know this is Star Cruiser. Without yeah. A doubt. yeah, 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 for sure. Okay. I mean, they know you like after a little bit, like yeah. they know your backstory and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, just the, it, it sounds like the amount of work that goes into the character interactions and behind the scenes, right. With all That's those things. Like I have, yeah. there's probably a hundred people behind the scenes supporting, you know, a hundred hotel rooms. It's, it's yeah. crazy. That's, a, that's amazing. This is why the price tag is so high. <laughs> yeah, why, I, I mean, I think the five grand is, I mean, a lot of it is, I'm sure it's a pretty high profit margin, but a lot of that is going to the talent. Yeah, I hope. I hope anyway, right? All right. Activities on board. I know this is this is probably a real hard one, um, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not so hard. Uh, who's doing it better, DCL or Galactic? I mean, the thing with the Star Cruiser is that all of the activities are integrated into an overall whole that advances the story, and it gives you at the end, like again, basically your own personal Star Wars story. You know, DCL, you know, you can do bingo, you can do karaoke, but there's there's no narrative theme there. They're all fun, right? And there's like space bingo and space line dancing on the Star Cruiser, right? Actually, honestly, God, I really think those are tests to see how willing you are to participate in any goofy thing they ask you to do. Like, I know it's there and it's, you know, and it's a quote activity, but I really think it's a, uh, it's an analytical tool for Disney too as well. Um, so I, I think, uh, I think Star Cruiser has better activities. Okay, so the the this is probably the the hardest question. If you have to, you know, you have five thousand dollars to spend, and you're choosing between DCL and a Galactic Star Cruiser trip, which one are you choosing? Ah, that's uh, that is tricky, right? Uh, number one, you know, I think the, the best Disney cruises, like to Alaska or to Canada, are way more than five thousand dollars. So those are off the table. So for five grand, you're basically doing Eastern, Western Caribbean. In the Bahamas, right? But for a week, I would say that would probably oh, yeah, get you no, a no, week no. yeah. Because I, I mean, I, I actually priced out uh, four nights on the Dream at fifteen hundred dollars, like in April, right? So you could do three of those, right? <laughs> and I mean, twelve days on the Dream is actually great. The thing that I like about cruising, if you've never cruised before, is the the ocean is, and this is going to sound stupid, the ocean is very big and very blue. <laughs> Right. And which sounds dumb, right? But let me let me explain. I don't think it's possible to to comprehend the vastness of the ocean from the shore or from the air. You actually have to be on a boat to do it. Right. And you, you guys know this, right? The color of the ocean changes. Like the 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 light blue that you get very close to shore in the Bahamas is vastly different than the deep blue of the Pacific. So to see those changes and to understand like, you know, how big the world is and stuff like that, I think that's important. You do get to visit other, you know, islands in the Caribbean. You get to go to Mexico and stuff like that. Um, and that's important. On the other hand, the Star Wars story is so comprehensive and so unlike everything else, it deserves its special consideration. It's, it's hard for me to say because I'm, I'm kind of burned out in the Caribbean right now for cruises. Uh, I, I just at one point I did like a dozen straight, and that's like I, I, if I if I never see this again, it'll be fine. So it sounds like for you personally, you'd probably choose the Galactic Star Cruiser because it's a new experience for you. But if you were like, let's say you were a first timer, you'd never been on either. Yeah, man, that's tough. 
I, I, I would give a, it's, it's really a toss up. I would, I would give a slight edge to the star cruiser because of its customization, but I could see, I could see either one, right? I could see the one. Yeah. That speaks like that speaks volumes about the experience you had on board the star cruiser. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and again, if you, if I, like, if I was doing Southern Caribbean, if I could do Southern Caribbean for five grand where you get a stop at Bridgetown, you know, and you get, I think the Southern Caribbean is the most interesting DCL if, uh, itinerary in the Caribbean. If you could do Southern, you stop in San Juan, you know, I like the Southern islands and there is some charm to that maybe, but like, you know, like would I spend $5,000 to go to the, to the Bahamas, uh, just on a cruise ship without like staying overnight or anything. No, I would, I would do star cruiser. So, you know, slight edge to star cruiser, but you know, it depends on the itinerary and the price. Well, like I said, that speaks volumes about the experience on board the Star Cruiser. You're making me more interested in it than I was before. Awesome. So, um, yeah, I, 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 we, we will have to uh, work up this backstory, Sam, of the uh, Global News Network reporters and there see if go. we can't find a date to go. There you but, uh, Lynn, as always, we love having you on. Can you remind folks where they can find you, where they can follow you? Because we love following your adventures. So can you remind folks where they can find you and follow you? Sure. Uh, so my website is touringplanes.com. I also co-author the unofficial guide to the Disney Cruise Line with Aaron Foster and Richie Halpin. And you can find us online at, at Touring Plans on all of your social media. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Lynn, for taking the time today. We really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. And thank you, Sam. Yeah. Well, thanks as always for listening to our bonus episode this week. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have uh, suggestions for bonus content that we could put out, hey, let us know. Questions, people you'd like us to talk to, that sort of thing. We're always open to show suggestions, so just let us know. So with that, just thanks to everyone out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us those five-star reviews. We love reading the reviews from our listeners and connecting with you in that way, and we love reading them on the main show each week. So head over, leave us those five-star reviews. We've got a few left to read, but we'll run out quickly. So don't miss your chance. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo blog and podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. If you'd like even more great content from the DCL Duo, you can browse over to youtube.com slash dclduo to see some of the videos we put up from our vacations. And if you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash dclduo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for helping to defray the cost of this show each and every month. You can also support the show by browsing to touringplans.com slash travel to book your next fabulous Disney vacation. Just let them know the DCL Duo sent you. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney Cruise or Disney Vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Good night.